welcome to the worship service of the Greater Little Zion Baptist Church. I'm Pastor Murphy, and on behalf of our congregation, we welcome you to enjoy this worship experience. I know that you're going to have a great time today, so why don't you come and sit back, listen to the music ministry as they bless you with the word of God by way of music, and then we'll come back and share with you from God's word. Be blessed. Let's see what God has to say to you. Say you love the Lord. Say you love Jesus. Well, uh, if you love Jesus, you will show some signs. One more time. Say you love. Say you love Jesus. Say you love the Lord. Say you love Jesus. Well, uh, if you love Jesus, you will show some signs. Some people's laugh at me, at me when I shout. What they really don't know is what's in my heart I'm shouting about. Say you love Jesus. Say you love the Lord. Say you love Jesus. Well, uh, if you love Jesus, you are sure to sign. One more time. Say you love. Say you love Jesus. Say you love the Lord. Say you love Jesus. Well, uh, if you love Jesus, you are sure to sign. When I shout, what they really don't know is what's in my heart. I'm shouting about. Say you love Jesus. Say you love the Lord. Say you love Jesus. Well, uh, if you love Jesus, you ought to show some signs. One more time. Say you love. Say you love Jesus. Say you love the Lord. Say you love Jesus. Well. Uh,
Oh! 
over your life. Y'all, we're living in some crazy times. And there's a lot of I folks looking for love. love. But I believe they're looking in the wrong places. I you see, if you're looking for an example of love, I love. all you gotta do is open up your Bible to John 3.16 where it says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and he said that whosoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life I wonder is it anybody out there that knows that God will you everlasting life. See, not only will he give you everlasting life, God will be your shelter in a time of storm. God will be your peace in the valley. All you got to do is put your hand in God's unchanging hand. You ought to find that love. See, Jesus is that love, y'all. He's waiting with open arms. thing that I've ever done I found love you ought to find that love I found love said you ought to find that love yeah. I found love you ought to find that love
Welcome, my brothers and sisters. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad within it. We invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and join us in 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2, we're going to read verses 24 through 29. 1 John chapter 2, verses 24 through 29, as we continue our exposition in the Apostles' letter to his Christian community. 1 John chapter 2, beginning at verse 24, and here's what it says. As for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise which he himself made to us eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. And as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. For those verses, we add the subject this morning, just a reminder of a few things, just a reminder of a few things. John introduces us to this character that is rarely mentioned in the New Testament. Although John is not referring to the physicality of what we now know as the Antichrist, he is making his church community well aware, at least, of his spirit. Anti, that which is against Christ, that which is deceptive and destructive. For some reason, John saw the need to inform those Christians to discern between what is artificial and what is authentic. They needed to discern when something is trying to persuade them, if it is mere amusement or if it is actual work of the anointing of the Spirit. John introduces those who lack, as well as identify, those who lack the value of the anointing. He identified those whose life lacks spiritual authority. In fact, John just merely states clearly in chapter 2, verse 19, that they were never really a part of us anyway. That's a disturbing verse, it's disturbing because of their lost potential. What they could have been, what they could be, and what they may be in the future is lost because they were not of the community. That's disappointing because of the time that they wasted, wasted time, which could have been spent growing disciples, disciples, 
transforming persons into discipleship, but yet now it's lost because of their wasted time. It's defeating because John may be inferring that they were never really born again in the first place. They had been deceived, and they had been fully uh, deceived, and they were fulfilling what Jesus describes in Matthew 24. Remember what he says. Beware, because there will be false Christ and false prophets. They will arise and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead and, if possible, even the elect. I want you to catch the logist of that verse because Jesus said there will be many who will come to proclaim that they are the Christ, which is, of course, Antichrist. They will be able to do great signs and wonders, and if one looked into the prophetic aspect of Scripture, they'll discover that when we get into the context of the book of Revelation, there is this incredible prophetic figure who will do great miracles, signs, and wonders. And they will even mislead, says Jesus, as not only did it take place in John's community, but John would later see as he unveils for us in Revelation how these false prophetic as well as false spirits mislead the people. And listen to what Jesus said. If it had not been, it could possibly happen even to the elect, if it were possible. But Jesus makes clear that it's the work of the Holy Spirit and it's the knowledge of the truth that assists the elect from being deceived. The truth causes us to understand we need to employ the direction that John gives in 1 John Chapter 4, verse 1 through 3. He talks about how we can actually discover whether this is an authentic spirit or an artificial spirit. Listen to what he says. 1 John chapter 4, beginning at verse 1. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Listen to what John says. Try those spirits by the Holy Spirit. Then he says, by this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh from God and every spirit that does not confess that Jesus is not from God and this is the spirit of the Antichrist of which you have heard that is coming and now it is already in the world. Listen to what John is warning. He's already telling them there's a physicality you may not see, but at least his presence, the Antichrist and his presence, is right there in the world. We know that is true based on not only what the Bible tells us, but because we live in a world in which we are saturated and surrounded by evil attempts to mimic good every single day. Here is how evil does that. Satan is an attempt to be equivalent to God the Antichrist desires to be equivalent to Jesus Christ and the false spirit desires to be equivalent to the Holy Spirit. The creature is trying to be like the creator. The deceiver is attempting to suggest that it or he is able to deliver 
And that which is disappointing is trying to substitute itself in the place of that which is discerning. This antichrist spirit, as I said before, is all around us every day. Pay attention to the ills to which we encounter on a regular basis. Death, greed, exploitation, marginalization, discrimination, internal domestic terrorism, poverty, homelessness, genocide, racism, sexism, classism. These are anti-life and these are anti-equality. These are, in essence, anti-Christ. These spirits aren't going anywhere. They will be a constant challenge to those who are in Christ, who are praying and laboring for justice, for peace, for community, and for humanity. In the midst of that, weariness has a way of setting in over time. And one begins to wrestle with the question of why should I continue in this battle? What's the purpose of me enduring such frustration and agony? And must I just finally admit that this is really nothing more than a losing battle? John, I believe, knowing that his community very well were entertaining those possible ideas, informs them that he needed to remind them of a few things that were extremely important to their Christian faith going forward, but also to their Christian walk in the moment to which he is currently speaking. He says three things to them, and then I'm done. Three things that I think are pertinently quite obvious in the text. First thing he says is that they need to remember that they must remain faithful to the gospel. They have to remain faithful to the service of God. Listen to what he says in verse 24 and in verse 26. He says, as for you, let that abide in you which you heard from the beginning. If what you heard from the beginning abides in you, you also will abide in the Son and in the Father. What they had heard from the beginning was the gospel about Jesus Christ. He identifies those that they're standing before and in opposition to back in verse 22 and 23. He sort of summarizes their description by calling them liars. Why? Look what the text says. Who is the liar but the one who denies that Jesus is the Christ? This is the antichrist the one who denies the Father and the Son. He makes it clear that those who went out from us did not believe in the work of Jesus as the Son of God. And my brothers and sisters, that is a cardinal doctrinal experience and faith concept we have to believe in in terms of the Christian faith. He tells them that you remain faithful to the gospel because of your Lord, to whom is both your Lord and Savior. In other words, he says, I want to find a way to stimulate, to cause you to understand that enduring and remaining faithful to the gospel creates stimulate, stimulation that helps you continue to walk in the newness of life. 
those who are liars are a contradiction. And John warned, stay away from them. But he says in verse 26, these things I've written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. They're trying to move you off of the mark. They're trying to make you think that Jesus was not the Christ, the son of the living God. John says, don't let them deceive you. You stay faithful to the gospel of Christ. But then there's a second thing that John says. He says, I not only want you to remain faithful to the gospel, but I want you to remain faithful to your spiritual relationships. Listen to what he says in verse 27 and verse 29. He says, as for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Verse 29, if you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. John says, not only do I want you to remain faithful to the gospel because it will stimulate you, it will help you continue to move forward, but also I want you to remain faithful to your spiritual relationship because it's vital to your sanctification. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us direction, who gives us instruction, who enables us to be able to combat that which is trying to cause confusion in the midst of us. The Holy Spirit not only helps us in sanctification, but he consecrates us to continue along the journey that is pleasing unto God. The anointing says the gospel as our teacher in verse 27. He identifies John, the Holy Spirit, because he remembers the words of Jesus back in John 14, Verse 16, 17, and 26, listen to what he says. I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it does not behold him or know him, but you know him. John says the world wish they understood and wish they knew who the Holy Spirit was, but they have no desire to know truth, so they don't know him. But he says, you do. You know him because he's a part now of your life. John says, because you know him, because he abides in you, you will be not only with him, but he will be in you. In verse 26, he said, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said. John says, when you maintain that spiritual relationship of walking with Christ through the aid of the Holy Spirit, God brings all things to your remembrance in the right place at the right time. But if that's not enough, Paul even tells us in the second, in the first Corinthian letter, first Corinthians chapter two, and beginning in verse 11, Paul makes clear how 
The Holy Spirit is the teacher for us. Listen to what he says. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world but the spirit who is from God that he might know the things freely given to us by God which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom but in those taught by the spirit combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Paul makes clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 that the things of the Spirit can only be comprehended by that which is of the Holy Spirit. He also tells us that you are not a child of God if you don't possess the Spirit of God on the inside of you. Listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of God, he does not belong to him. And then he says, and if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. In other words, Paul says, I may be walking around as a dead person, but I know that I'm alive and well because the spirit of God lives mightily in me. He consecrates me and he helps me with my sanctification. He keeps me on the right path while the Antichrist is always trying to lead me off the path. So John says, number one, maintain, remain faithful to the gospel. Number two, remain faithful to your spiritual relationship with God. But Watch what he says. Number three, expect your promised reward. Look at verse 25 and 28. Listen to what John says to us. And this is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. Look at verse 28. Uh, and now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Notice John keeps using the word, as I told you before in previous lessons, abide. And the word abide just simply means tabernacle, rest, live, house yourself in the things of God. In other words, John is trying to tell us here in this passage that every reward that God has promised is both salvation as well as confirmation. It's salvation because God is going to bring about the deliverance even from the presence of both the spirit of the Antichrist and the Antichrist himself. But it's confirmation that God will live up to the promise that he's made to us. I think John encourages us that every now and then when we are in the fight of life, even when we are going through a tough time in which we think that there is no way out, John says you should often take a glimpse into eternity. Think about what heaven might look like. What the end of the story shall proclaim to you. John gives us a peek of what he saw on the Isle of Patmos. If you read powerfully in verse and chapter 21 and 22 of the book of Revelation, Paul, uh, John says something extremely 
life-changing to give us an insight to what he saw as he dealt in that glimpse into heaven. Listen to Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse 1. I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of the heart from God, made ready as a bride adored for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men. He shall dwell among them, and they shall be his people. And God himself shall be among them. And here's the shout. Here's the victory. Here's the reason why John says, Expect the promise of God and look into eternity to get a glimpse of that. What that promise entails when we talk about eternal life. Verse 4 of chapter 21 of Revelation, he says, And God, Jesus sitting on the throne, will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall no longer be any death, no longer be any mourning, no longer be any crying or any pain. First things, the former things, have passed away. And he says, behold, I am making all things new. And he tells John, write, for these words are faithful and true. And that's not enough. He assures us in verse 7, he who overcomes shall inherit these things and I will be his God and he will be my son. But then watch what he says in Revelation chapter 22 verse 1. I saw that God showed me a river of the water of life. It was clear, crystal, coming from the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the middle of the street on either side of the river was the tree of life bearing 12 kinds of fruit yielding its fruit every month, and the leaves of the trees were for the healing of the nation. And there shall no longer be any curse, and the throne of God and the Lamb shall be in it, and his bondservants shall serve him. And they shall see his face, Christ, and his name shall be on their foreheads. And there shall no longer be any night they shall not have need of light of lamp, nor the lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God shall illuminate them, and they shall reign forever and ever. What is John saying? Oh, clearly, every now and then you should think about what heaven must be like. Get a glimpse into eternity. Let it be the inspiration you need to go the second mile feel that you're about to throw in the towel. Even with the presence of the spirit of the Antichrist all around, John says there's some things I need to remind you of. Be faithful to the gospel. Remain faithful to your spiritual relationship with God and expect God to fulfill his promise. Now our ancestors, as I close, would have knew exactly what John meant fact it's in capitalized in the chorus that we sing in the old hymn whether they were in the slave fields of Mississippi or Alabama or North Carolina whether they were in the hospital room whether they knew that their time was coming to an end 
they would get a glimpse into eternity. And they would sing the chorus of that old hymn, Oh, I want to see him, to look upon his face, there to sing forever of his saving grace. On the streets of glory, let me lift my voice, cares all past, home at last, there forever to rejoice. And then they would catch the words of Lucy Campbell in her hymn and they would close out by saying this, when I come to the end of my journey, weary of life and the battle is won, carrying the staff and the cross of redemption, he'll understand and he'll say, well done. Well done. Well done. Thy good and faithful servant. John had to encourage those in his community to stick to the task. And I'm here to tell you this morning, do likewise. Let me just remind you of a few things. Remain faithful to the gospel. Remain faithful to your spiritual relationship with God. And expect God to fulfill his promise of eternal life. And sing as these old grand hymns sung. You want to look upon his face there to sing forever of his amazing grace. Cares all pass, home at last. Forever you shall rejoice. And you want to hear him say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Let us pray. Lord, in the hearts of your people who in the midst of all kinds of attacks from the Antichrist, his spirit, all around us, evil is constantly raising its head. But give us the strength to remain faithful, to trust you, and to hold on to your hand. Pray and believe that victory is already won, and we shall experience it again as well. I pray today, Lord, if there's somebody who is listening to the word, they've never made a decision for Christ. May this be the day that their life begins anew because they have come to trust Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. Rescue that person, Lord, who stands on the need of not only an answered prayer, but your lifting hand to bring them out of the mire, that they may walk again in the newness of life. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, we pray. Amen. That's a rejoicing point for us, and I hope that if you have been one who's been listening to this word, if you've never accepted Christ, you would simply follow my direction, what I'm about to tell you, and that can be a changed experience in your life. Here's what it is. Simply say, Lord, I recognize that I need to be born again by your spirit. Change me. Save me. Rescue me. And I confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and I receive my salvation. And from that point forward, your life can begin anew in Jesus Christ. If that is your experience today, would you call our church office? Just let us know. Say, I made that decision for Christ on this past Sunday, and I want to let you know so we can rejoice with you as well. We would love to extend our hand to you and invite you to become a part of our church fellowship, and we'd love to be your church family. And so we're looking forward to see what God is going to do in your life. We thank you, friends family members of Great Little Zion Baptist Church for being so kind and generous.
in your constant support. And we always invite you at the end of the service to take out your electronic device, if you would. Take a moment to text your tithes and offering to the church or go to our church website and do e-giving or the old-fashioned way, just simply mail your check to the church. We accept it as well. We thank you for your support for it enables us to be able to do what we do in terms of the kingdom. Now, one final thing. We are going to embark upon a new initiative in the month of September. We're going to start food distribution from our church at least once a month where we're going to reach out and provide a helping hand to our community for those who may be suffering from loss of employment as a result of COVID-19, those who even may be working but just finding it hard to make ends meet. We want to be able to at least help provide the sustenance needed to keep life going. And so we invite you to contact the church office to lend us your volunteer support that we might utilize your skills and your hands to help us prepare these packages. We also invite you to become a part of the committee so that we can organize this and make sure that on a monthly basis it is done from this point on out. And then we invite our members, if you would, please, every time in which you provide your tithes and offerings, would you give us, would you give for this initiative an extra $10 we would appreciate it what that will do is allow us to purchase food purchase gift cards whatever is needed to provide food for a family and I'm sure that you would love for that to happen and it will all be done in the name of great little Zion as a result of God's grace reigning on us when you give that offering if you would make sure that you would earmark this $10 is for food distribution or the food distribution ministry, we would certainly appreciate that. Thank you so much for your time this morning. I certainly pray that God has blessed your soul. Always remember that God loves you, and so do I. We look forward to the progress of which we're going to have. Have a blessed, wonderful, spectacular week in the Lord. Be blessed. <laughs>